just a hack. It's just an absolute hack. And he gets his ass kicked by his teammates every week. It's just, you know, it's terrible. It's just terrible. Week 10 of college football seriously lived up to the hype. So much that I want to talk about. So much that I want to react to. Uh, Joe DeLeon here with Hack City. We typically go live on Sundays, and we're probably going to do that with Sean. But I, I want to try and get in the rhythm now that the final stretch of the season is here, talking about some of these games as they're playing out, and then after they they play out immediately. But I got to start right off the bat. I wanted to start off talking about Notre Dame Clemson because of all the crap that comes from the things that I said at the beginning of the season. But I have to first start with the outcome of the LSU Alabama game. That game, that LSU-Alabama game, did not play out at all as I thought that it was going to go. I had, and I I said this going into my prediction, I thought that LSU was going to get blown out. I really did think that that was a really bad matchup for an Alabama team that was surging. But what was revealed to us is that Tennessee caused Alabama to bleed, and that bleeding is what set up LSU to win this game. Those issues that arose when they played against Tennessee propped back up in this in this LSU game. They had so much trouble early on trying to move the ball. Too many stunted drives to the turnover that they had on one of their long drives where they were going to score a touchdown. All of those offensive issues, the issues with their receivers – and not having a lot of guys that can consistently make contested catches or, heck, even stretch the field really showed up in this game. And I give a ton of credit to Brian Kelly for properly preparing his team in this game, for properly setting his team up and taking all the things that were presented in the Texas game where they looked, they Alabama looked beatable, the Tennessee game where they were beaten, taking all those aspects of those games and bringing it to fruition in their game plan this week. What becomes extremely tricky is Alabama is obviously out of the playoff contention. They're out of the contention of it. If LSU wins out, they're probably going to be playing in the SEC championship game. I don't foresee anyone else in the SEC West popping up and potentially contesting them for that spot. Alabama out of the college football playoff contention. But the debate that is going to start is if LSU has positioning to maybe sneak into the college football playoff. In order for that to happen, we would need some serious, serious help from multiple teams losing ahead of them. But on top of that, they have to win out. They have to win the SEC championship game. And in order for them to do that, they have to beat Georgia. I think it's highly unlikely. I think that the outcome of them playing in the college football playoff is not going to happen. This victory was really nice, and it is going to be a huge achievement that they are now in a position to play for an SEC championship. It is going to be a huge achievement. And I'm going to talk about it in a little bit. I want to talk about the the Georgia-Tennessee game, but I think we were proven today that Georgia is not easily beatable. But I again, I have to give so much credit to Brian Kelly, so much credit to LSU for doing what they did, showing up and beating a highly beatable Alabama team. I think in any other year when Alabama has shown signs of weakness, a lot of programs have not had that ability to take that next step to actually finish the job and win those games. It has been one of the most difficult tasks over the past 
decade and more or more, however long Nick Saban has, has been leading this Crimson Tide team, to to not only find Alabama's weakness, but take advantage of it. And the one thing to, to Brian Kelly's credit, like that was literally why he went to to Alabama. He even said it. They even showed the quote during the broadcast that his intention was that he wanted to go to beat Nick Saban. And he did it. He showed up and he beat Nick Saban. That is going to have so many dividends in recruiting, in investments from boosters, from improvement in facilities. That victory alone is going to have so many ripples for this LSU program. Again, the one thing, though, that needs to be realized and needs to be understood is that this season is not a one that they're going to compete for a national championship. It is one that sets them up for future success. It is one that is going to create steps down the line for that LSU program to continue to grow. And you just got to hope eventually Nick Saban retires and then you get however ever long more of Chip Kelly, or not Chip Kelly, Brian Kelly's time at LSU. And the SEC could eventually be wide open to competition between LSU and Georgia. Before I talk about the Georgia game, I, I have to I have to address what happened with, with Notre Dame and Clemson. I said this going into the goddamn week that Clemson is is a not a good football team. They did not belong where they were ranked as the number four team in the country. They are a top 30 team this year at best. And they were extremely exposed in their game against Notre Dame. Before I continue, the one point that needs to be made as a Notre Dame fan, I'm even wearing a goddamn Notre Dame sweatshirt that I inadvertently just threw on. It is okay to be proud of Notre Dame, but also admit that Clemson is not that good. I have already been seeing too many people, and it happened this week, too many Notre Dame fans that were using this game as an opportunity to prop up Notre Dame as a program and a team this year. To say that that Notre Dame is a way better team than everyone is giving them credit for. You lost to Marshall and you lost to Stanford. Their capabilities this season to do anything in terms of championships, uh, big bowl games, it's out the window. This game, this win does not mean as much as I think a lot of people assume. That Clemson team, and I'm going to continue to reiterate this, is terrible. That Clemson team is not that good. I spoke on this show multiple times in so many different videos on multiple other shows that I've guested on and hosted that that Clemson team was a fake top-ranked team. They did not have the offensive capabilities to hang in with most competitive programs or any of the other programs vying for a national championship. DJ Uwe Unglele has had so many issues in decision-making and quality of play to the point where he played so fucking badly that they had to put Cade Klubnik in, and Cade Klubnik came in and threw an interception immediately. There is so much disarray at that Clemson program, but we were looking at this facade of these fake-ranked wins against mediocre ACC teams that should not have been ranked where they were, unjustifiably ranked. It was a facade. It was a farce that they were placed as high as they were. And this is the proof that I was saying and screaming about the whole goddamn week. People wanted to come at my throat on Twitter, on YouTube, that I said that Clemson did not deserve to be where they were, and it was completely proven. This is not a close loss. This is an embarrassing loss, a loss where you were completely embarrassed by a mid-tier Notre Dame program. 
Now, from the Notre Dame perspective here, that game is exactly how I expected Notre Dame to be this season, is a top 30 program. That is what they are this year. They are a top 30 football team this year, top 35, wherever you want to place them. Nothing more, nothing less. They're going to squeak into the, the back end of the top 25. That's fine placement for, for Notre Dame. And I said this already. I already commented on somebody who went back to the Fire Marcus Freeman video. I said on this show multiple times, if Marcus Freeman beats Clemson, I will walk back my take. And I'm sitting here and I'm doing that. I am admitting that I was a little bit too reactionary to the Marshall loss to say that he needs to be fired. There still is a lot more to be done to prove his capabilities as a head coach. And I'm not saying that he is going to win them a national championship, but I'm willing to sit here and admit that I was wrong for jumping to that conclusion way too quickly. And I think a lot of Notre Dame fans, and it's clear if you go look at the comments of that video, agreed with me that you can't lose to Marshall and you also you can't lose to Stanford in your first year as a head coach. This victory is great for you. This victory is a rallying point for your program. It's going to help guys buy in. There are still changes that definitely need to be made. Like offensively, they still looked very problematic. The fact that most of your offensive production came off of turnovers and a massive 96-yard pick six is really concerning. Tommy Rees is not the guy that should not still be a debate. But again, I am willing to sit here and admit that I was wrong for jumping to that conclusion. But as I'm wrapping up my point on this game, and anyone who does hop in, by the way, who wants to leave a comment, feel free to do so. We need to understand that this is not a win over a top five program. Notre Dame did not beat a top five program. Notre Dame beat a good team, a good Clemson team, but they were unjustifiably ranked as high as they were and placed where they were. All the goddamn context that I heard this entire week was that they've, they're the only team with three ranked wins. Those ranked wins didn't mean anything in this game, and they looked embarrassingly bad. They looked fucking horrible the way that they played against Notre Dame. There shouldn't be a single person out there that believes that Clemson deserves to, deserves to be placed where they were and then deserves to still be in the top 10. They need to be pushed like to 20, 18, somewhere in that range. That is a realistic spot for them after the way that they played. And again, just to reiterate before I move on to the Tennessee-Georgia game, all of the issues that everyone has talked about and that I have screamed about the whole year for Clemson were not only exposed, but brought into the furthest, broadest light possible. The one thing that I heard in all of my years of playing football, from high school through college, through everything that I did after college, the one thing that is always reiterated by coaches is that you're only as strong as your weakest link. It is the, the most overly reiterated coach speak that you will constantly hear. And anyone who's played the game knows exactly that phrase because it is always repeated by every position coach, head coach, assistant coach, strength coach. They're going to bring that up in any instance they can. And it was so easily identifiable that the weakest link on that team was below average, bottom tier quarterback play from DJ Uyunglele. It didn't matter how good the rest of that roster was. That was my point. I love Will Shipley. I have spoken so highly of Will Shipley. I have spoken so highly of Miles Murphy and Brian Brzee and Trenton Simpson and all of the really talented defensive players that they have. I've spoken 
very highly of some of the offensive players that they have on their offensive line. But not only is their questionable receiving group an issue, they're horrible. It's not even bad. It's not even below average. They're horrible quarterback play from DJ Uyunglele, who has almost cost them games, finally caught up to them. And the other apparent thing that was brought up this week is that Cade Klubnick is, Klubnick is not ready to be the guy. I'm optimistic for Cade. Cade, his name's a little bit of a tongue twister. Cade Klubnick's future at Clemson. The way that he played against Syracuse is really promising. And the, what we saw against Georgia Tech as well when he came in is very, very promising. He's got a lot of capabilities to be a really talented player. But the fact that he steps into the game, pisses down his leg, throws an interception on his second snap in the game, and then he gets yanked and brought back in for the guy who was stinking up the entire game shows that even if you started him at the beginning of the season, they'd still be the same team. It is very hard for a true freshman to lead a team to be a top five program. But all I'm asking for the love of God, do not just slightly slide back Clemson. There needs to be a massive fall in where they are ranked in next week's college football playoff ranking. There shouldn't need to be any more proof. And also, it, it doesn't help how the outcome of the, the Wake Forest NC State game as well. Those games that they, those victories that they were hanging their hat on are not as impressive as I think a lot of people believe that it was. Now, the main factor here and the, the, the positive fallout of this is that we no longer have to sit and debate if Clemson belongs in the playoff. They don't. And I'm hoping no mouth breathers try to make that argument that a one-loss Clemson team deserves to get in over, hypothetically, a two-loss LSU team that maybe potentially wins the SEC championship game. I'm not saying that they're going to, purely a low-chance hypothetical. But we can't sit here and, and try to justify things because they've got one loss. They're not a good football team, plain and simple. Now, what we witnessed today against Georgia versus Tennessee, that was the only game that I correctly predicted. I, I know I have got a lot of wrong takes, but at the times that I have correct ones, I would like to bring them up as just as much as I acknowledge when I make mistakes and I have incorrect takes. I said, coming into this game, that Georgia was the more physical team, that if they grinded it out, that they controlled the tempo of the game, which they have done so effectively and so well, that they were going to win that football game. And it was very clear from start to finish that that defensive line was way too much. There were a lot of people that I kept hearing and people that I was talking to and the other shows that I were doing that were saying, if they, if Tennessee could have the production that they did against Alabama's defensive front, and if they could protect, protect as well as they did against Alabama's pass rushers and Will Anderson and Dallas Turner, then they're going to be fine against Georgia. Those people are casuals. Those people don't realize the magnitude and the level of dominance in the elite talent that is on that Georgia defensive line, even without Nolan Smith. And they were all over Hendon Hooker the entirety of this game. It was a really, really difficult game for Hendon Hooker. That was the exposure... And actually, exposure is the wrong word. Because I don't think I don't think Hendon like was exposed for being bad or anything. He had a dif difficult day. He had a very difficult challenge that he had to endure that is going to make him better down the line for potentially playing in the playoff with one loss as a one-loss SEC team. But as again, as I said, that defensive line showed up. And then most importantly, the other thing that I predicted is that if you get a turnover 
in this game, you turn the ball over on Tennessee, that is enough one time. A couple sacks and a turnover, you are effectively in a position to win the football game. It's exactly what I said, and that's exactly what happened. I got to say, by the way, and I, I posted the clip, if anyone wants to go check the YouTube shorts, that interception that Keely Ringo had was freaking fantastic. I am legitimately still debating with myself on who the top corner in this year's NFL draft is going to be. But hell, as, as fun as Clark Phillips is and as dominant as, as he has been, Keely Ringo has traits for days. And if he puts up more plays like that in the final stretch of the season, he is going to be considered and probably likely the first corner selected. The fact that he was able to lock down and shut down Cedric Tillman in this game and other guys that he was covering, but on that particular play, go stride for stride, locate the football, look like a wide receiver and make a play on the ball. Not to mention the fact the guy's built like a, an outside linebacker. He has all the traits that you want in an NFL corner. But that defense is so freaking good, and it showed up and proved that they are as good as they were described to be at the start of the season. This game reopens up the narrative of if Georgia is that unstoppable force this year for the 2022 season. I think that this is perfect proof that they are as good as we thought that they were after the way that they played against Oregon. Good teams are allowed to have off weeks. It is very rare for good programs, elite programs, unstoppable teams to be perfect from the first week to the last week. It's just not possible. These are kids. These are human beings. There's highs and lows to your expectations. You're going to show up against a Kent State or a Missouri and think, we're going to smack these guys. These guys stink. These guys are a bunch of nobodies. And you're going to get too ahead of yourself and you're going to make mistakes, but you're good enough to still win those football games. But the fact that they show up in the most important game of the season at home with that much energy, with that much ferocity, with that much force, with that much aggressiveness, that to me is proof that they're as good as we thought that they were at the beginning of the season. And they now need to be in consideration to be a national champion, the, the likely national championship winner. I haven't seen anyone thus far that has shown up and done what they did in this game against Tennessee. Everyone was talking about how good Tennessee was coming into this week and how they were going to cruise past Georgia. Georgia can't keep up with or uh, that Georgia can't keep up with Tennessee. And we saw it was the other way around. A lot of props to Stetson Bennett and the way that he played. And I know that from time to time, I tend to clown him. Um, and I have been a little bit more positive on Stetson's outlook as a player in the way that he has performed in key games. And this is an important game. He made a lot of really nice plays, a lot of really difficult throws, a lot of nice job, nice plays where he had to evade pressure extend plays, find his guys. He was a big reason why that they scored and had all that offensive production. He is slowly turning into a win because of, and not win despite of quarterback, which I have described him to be. Fantastic college quarterback. The experience shows, the awareness shows. It might have come to full fruition for Stetson Bennett. And again, if he keeps playing like that, he plays like that in the SEC championship game, in the first round of the college football playoff, and in the national championship game, they are going to repeat. I really don't think that there's much of debate at this point on who the best team in the country is and who's going to win the national championship. It has to be Georgia. It just, it just has to be. By the way, anyone hopping in, make sure to uh, leave a comment. Also, hit, hit a like on the video. Um, you know, any thoughts on week 10? Would obviously love to 
any questions or anything, feel free to drop them in. We'd obviously love to talk about whatever everyone's thinking right now. Ohio State, again, showed a little bit of weakness this week, and I, I, I kind of was flipping back and forth when I was watching the TCU-Texas Tech game this, this morning or at the noon kickoff for the East Coasters. And I think that that game is, is even further proof for my point on Georgia. And it was, it was almost laughable. And I know that the initial college football rankings don't mean that much. And I, I know that's ironic for me saying, because I posted a video, me screaming about Clemson, getting upset over where Clemson was placed. It's still something to react to. And it's still something that needs to be adjusted on a week-to-week basis. And Ohio State being put at two and Georgia put at three might have actually been equally as egregious as Clemson being put at number four because Ohio State has weaknesses as well. They are still a very highly competitive team. They are still going to likely win the Big Ten. They're probably going to beat Michigan. But the way that they played against Northwestern, it's a little concerning. It's in a torrential downpour in a very windy, not torrential, but in a rainy environment, a very windy environment. The weather sucked. And you're trying to ask C.J. Stroud to play clean football in a situation like that when he doesn't really face a lot of conditions like that or hasn't faced any conditions like that that this season, it's a tough task. Any quarterback, any specialist, any receiver is going to tell you that those environments suck to play in. But And, and I tweeted this out. The decision-making by C.J. Stroud in this game was, was highly concerning. He has been so clean throughout this season. So clean, even in the Notre Dame game where he had some troubles and Notre Dame's defense looked really good in that game. But the issues in his evaluation that I did over the summer as a draft prospect really showed up against Northwestern. I don't know how the hell they were able to play defense that well for most of the game and early on. It's shocking to me because they really don't have the guys, but there was a lot of tight man coverage on Abuka and Marvin Harrison Jr., there were not a lot of openings for any of their receivers. And the decision-making that I'm referring to, C.J. Stroud has shown this propensity for if he doesn't see his initial read, he's still going to force it there regardless. And he did that a ton in this game. Very problematic. And what I'm telling you right now and why I'm bringing this up and why Georgia better freaking leapfrog Ohio State for that number one spot after the way that they played, Georgia has the corners to lock up not completely take out of the game, but lock down those Ohio State receivers and get pressure in C.J. Stroud's face. What they did against Hendon Hooker is very capable to produce against C.J. Stroud. And I know that everyone just assumes that this is this untouchable first overall pick Heisman Trophy winning quarterback in C.J. Stroud. I think that we have more proof that a team like Georgia can turn him over a couple times, get a bunch of sacks, and really rattle him. He is not like Bryce Young. He is, I don't think he's has that same level of coolness, composure, uh, tactile decision-making that Bryce Young has at all. He's got a great arm. He's a great athlete. He's a big, powerful kid. That's why he is lauded to be as good of a prospect as he is, and that's why he beats up on bad opponents. It's because when everything's open and in front of him, he's accurate, he's, he's quick to get the ball out. But when he has to think and he has to make decisions, that offense very often sets up Ohio State quarterbacks up for failure. Be very, very, very worried about how he is going to play in the the college football playoff. I'm not worried so much against Michigan 
because I don't think Michigan really has the defensive pieces to completely disrupt CJ. I think that's going to be a game where CJ is going to be asked to make a couple of plays and he's going to be able to do it and win that football game. Speaking of Michigan, though, they they had their own little bit of a weird, weird outing. So they they played like crap to start the game, and it was really close for like I think it was here. Let's pull up the box score. It was for like the first half. It was if I could get this freaking thing to pull up. For the first half, it was it was 17-14, and Rutgers was up. And I think everyone was swirling the alarm bells. And everyone was freaking out. Like, oh, Clemson's going to lose. Michigan's going to lose. Michigan ends up winning 52-17. to Michigan's a good football team. Again, I think that Ohio State's going to win in that matchup. They're eventually going to go on to win the Big Ten and play in the playoff. And Michigan's going to get a really nice bowl game, a New Year's Six game that they're going to play in probably as like the sixth or the seventh-ranked team in the country with one loss. But it feeds in yet again. Everything in the show is going to come back to my Clemson argument and what pissed me off this week and all the assholes who tried to you know, come at me this week for saying I was an idiot for, for claiming that Clemson didn't deserve to be placed where they were. The difference between Michigan and Clemson is that Clemson went down at half and they folded and they didn't have any of the offensive playmakers to get them back into the football game. Michigan went down at the half. They rallied. They have a young, inexperienced, but explosive quarterback to very, very good running backs led especially by Blake Corum who is a Heisman likely excuse me likely Heisman finalist they rallied they were pissed off that is a good that's what good football teams do that's what a top five football team does Clemson hasn't shown that ability at all this season they have looked weak the entire season and they finally face an opponent that punched him in the mouth and kept punching them and they, they bent over and they took it. They curled up into a ball and they took it. But props to Michigan for getting the win. I know, again, I know it's, I know it's Rutgers. Like it doesn't, it doesn't really mean anything because it's Rutgers, but they at least rallied at a point where, you know, you could have freaked out. For anyone who do, like, is curious like, what that's like, and I've been in situations where I played at the, the FCS level, but I've been in locker rooms on ranked teams where you're losing at the half to a bad football team. And there's usually two ways that that goes. You either come into the locker room, everyone's locked in and says, hey, look, we're making mistakes. We know what the mistakes are. We're going to fix them. The composure is there. You, you get together, you unite, and then you go out and play the football game. It's probably what Michigan did. Clemson, on the other hand, probably did what losing football teams do. You come into the locker room, everybody's screaming at each other, everybody's pointing fingers, and then you end up losing the game. I've been in those situations. I've seen them before. And that, again, that's the difference between a winning program and a losing one. The other thing that I want to hit on, and again, we don't have any comments. Anyone who's joining us wants to leave a comment, please give me your thoughts on, on week 10. We've probably the highest viewing we've gotten on one of these videos. So I'm going to try to do these more often. Um, thoughts on week 10, anything, overreactions. We're all about overreactions on this channel. That's why we're called Hack City. We're the biggest hacks. We overreact to everything. TCU, I thought, looked really strong the way that they played against Texas Tech. And that's like another one of those games this week where you have a team that's playing with their food. For most of that game, Duggan looked really rattled, and I give a lot of credit to Texas Tech for getting in the face of, of TCU and getting in the face of Duggan and sending a, a ton of pressure. They were relentless. 
with the amount that they were pressuring Duggan. And when Quentin Johnston went down with that injury, albeit they've got a lot of really nice players in that offense, a lot, and that I've I've talking spoken very highly of the skill players, the receivers, the running backs that TCU has. Without Quentin Johnson, it's a very, very difficult task to move the ball if Duggan is getting pressured within two to three seconds on every single play. But, and the reason why I have said that TCU deserves more credit for how good they are, they are, again, there are a lot of things that I talk about on the show that, to me, determine good football teams. How do you perform when you're in a close football game against a team that you should probably be beating by multiple scores? They rallied, they came together, they picked up those big, massive splash plays that, that we saw earlier on in the season, and they pulled away. They ended up winning 34-24. to 24. My main takeaway that I did have from this is less to do with TCU and more to do with their offensive coordinator, which I am going to look up. I know it's Lincoln Riley's uh, brother is the offensive coordinator. Garrett Riley is is his name. I really like Garrett Riley and his play calling. Uh, This game in particular, I was impressed because there was no Quinton Johnston. There are just so many instances where there are wide open rushing lanes. There are wide open receivers in the middle of the field. There are wide open guys on the boundary. It takes really good scheming to do that on a week-to-week basis. And even with like mid-tier athletes, there's not any four or five-star receivers. This isn't an Alabama receiving group. This isn't an Ohio State receiving group. He's able to create that separation, those openings, those easy chunk splash plays, with a with a like a, a C plus B minus group of skill position players. And I really do think, and the first thing that like I thought of from the, the Notre Dame perspective, and this goes for any program out there that is in need of a new offensive coordinator. Garrett Riley has to be at the top of the list. He's got to be the first guy that anybody calls. Marcus Freeman if he wants to legitimize himself and he wants to turn himself around, turn this program around, which he's already doing, he's already showing that he's he's changing the direction on this Notre Dame program. He needs to fire Tommy Rees. He can't allow mid-tier, slightly above average results with a crappy quarterback justify keeping Tommy Rees. He needs to get rid of him. He needs to go out and recruit his ass off and get a quarterback in the portal, and he needs to hire hire Garrett Riley. That's how you fix Notre Dame for next season. Because they've got the they've got the the recruits, they've got the athletes, they've got the players. They're a quarterback away, and they're a competent, high quality offensive coordinator away. I still hope that Marcus has that capability to rally his team and get them ready on a week to week basis. Which again, inconsistent. He at least did it in this game, which is important. Uh, anyone else who has any comments, feel free to drop them in. I think that might be where I'm going to drop off and end the stream. The one thing, oh, and I didn't even realize this Pitt beat Syracuse. Are we, are we fucking serious? There was so much that happened this weekend and in this, in these games that I didn't even know that Pitt beat Syracuse and Syracuse scored nine points. Yeah, Clemson is really impressive. I am seriously very, very impressed by Clemson and those ranked wins. They now are going to have one ranked win, and they're going to have one loss to a likely ranked Notre Dame team, as much as that pains me to say. 
That's ridiculous. I didn't get to watch, and I don't think any I don't think anyone really watched that SMU Houston game. And I want to watch the highlights for the the full recap when I do it with Sean. I also didn't get to watch the Texas Kansas State game because I think like any normal breathing human being was watching the LSU Alabama game. But props to Texas man for for showing up and knocking off and killing the Big Twelve hopes of Kansas State. I'm really curious, and again, if anyone who's tuning in, we've we've got great viewership tonight. We've got 20 people tuned in. Drop a comment. I want to hear what everyone's thinking after these games. Maybe everyone's too drunk. Maybe everyone's already a little bit uh, hungover from from a long day of drinking. Whatever it is, drop a comment, your thoughts on it. But I want to look up what these Big 12 standings are right now after these games. So as it sits, TCU is 6-0 at the top of the conference. Texas is 4-2 right behind them, and then Baylor's 4-2. And then Kansas State is third at four and two as well. In order for Texas can actually still win the Big 12, which is insane to me. That's absolutely ridiculous that there is a possibility that we can have a season in which Texas can win the Big 12. They're going to need a little bit of help. What basically is going to happen, this is TCU's remaining schedule for that to happen. They play Texas next week. So Texas holds a little bit of control in the outcome of this. You get the tiebreaker, and you and you beat you beat TCU there. And then they're eventually likely going to be playing in that Big Twelve championship game. That's insane to me that Texas has gone from probably one of the most up and down seasons after the way that they played against Oklahoma State, and then Oklahoma State has just been embarrassing since then, which just has made me look absolutely ridiculous with some of the takes that I've made on. Oklahoma State's terms. I will say though, Kansas State. Um, I don't. I still stand by. And having not watched this game and seeing the stat line for Adrian Martinez, I would love to get the context of it. I still stand by my take on Adrian Martinez and Kansas State. I think that they were a hair overhyped, but most importantly, Adrian Martinez isn't good. Man, the guy's not that good. He's not that good of a quarterback. Maybe I'm going to be eating my words after I watched the, the the highlights of this game for tomorrow's show. But I'm just so consistently unimpressed by Adrian Martinez. And he started this game and he threw an interception and they lost. Bijan completely popped off. Doesn't look like anyone's going to drop a comment. So appreciate everyone who did tune in. Great viewership tonight. Uh, we're going to probably do more of these now that we had really good viewership for this stream. Uh, for anyone who is going to be coming back tomorrow, Sean and I are going to be doing our full recap. We've got a lot that we want to talk about. I'm sure that Sean has a lot of obnoxious things to say, but ev everyone who did tune in, if you're coming in at the end, go back to the beginning. A lot of Marcus Freeman talk, a lot of me apologizing for being a dumbass, a lot of bashing Clemson, a lot of great stuff at the beginning. I encourage you to go back and check it out. Appreciate you tuning in. We'll be back with more. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.